This is the Rebel HR Podcast, the podcast about all things innovation in the people space. I'm Kyle Rode. Let's start the show. Welcome back, HR Rebels. Extremely excited for the conversation today. With us, we have once again, Anthony Vaughn, a.k.a. AJ. Uh, He is back. This is his third appearance on Rebel HR Podcast, and it's because he's got so much to share and just really awesome insights and innovations in the space uh, that we spend our time in. AJ, welcome back to the show. Uh, Thanks a lot, brother. I appreciate it. How are you? (laughs) I appreciate you. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You know, this is uh, this is always a, a pleasure to connect with you. It's been a long time. It's been too long, and so I appreciate you you coming back on and, and talking to us a little bit about about what you're doing. Um, so, you know, today, uh, it, it, quite frankly, I don't really have an agenda. We're just gonna we're just gonna talk. I'm just fascinated to learn a little bit about the work you're doing, and and yeah. and uh, you've been doing a lot uh, in in a lot of different spaces. So. Uh, re- really quick, if you can just give some of our, our listeners that did not have an opportunity to listen to you the last couple of times, just give them a little bit of a background on on uh, who you are and, and what you do. Yeah, man. I'll give you the bullet points, and I'm excited to try to get <laughs> it. I saw the email come through. I said, I'm definitely talking to Kyle. Heck yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, long story short, I'll give, you, I'll give it to you in bullet point form for those that have never heard of me before. Uh, started at 19 former running back, built out a year-round football academy with Under Armour, uh, grew to a few million in sales, 300 full-time almost, um, as we were gearing up for our next uh, integration as well as uh, development of that of that partnership. Uh, had a key guy on the team that wanted to have a career mapping conversation, had no clue what that meant, didn't have it, didn't have it again. Next thing you know, didn't have it six more times. He left the brand. I never told you this part, Kyle. I found out what happened too. Uh, he was actually the cousin of the executive that made the deal. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was also a little bit more of a, a family personal thing too. Um, but got a call from that particular person. They said, let's have a talk. Uh, leadership was important for Under Armour at the time. They, uh, they dropped me as a partner. Business went to zero within six months. I give all you listeners that background because that was a linchpin for me to start my career, my understanding of all things HR. Went down about a year and a half rabbit hole of research, came out of that wanting to be ahead of people, didn't have any prior experience. Uh, and then the rest of the bullet points, I'll, I'll run through it. Did that for about six years. Um, and then inevitably about, let's call it year and a half to two years prior to the pandemic, maybe even before, uh, I started the the E1B2 Collective, stands for Employees First, Business Second. It's a myriad and series of different companies. Uh, right now, we're up to about eight. And everything that we do is trying to put employees first with technology, with services, with efforts. Also, have a podcast, 750 episodes. Uh, I talk a lot. So there it is. <laughs> yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll do it because you didn't. But a plug to the podcast, a great podcast. It is the E1B2 collective podcasts um and uh, just an awesome awesome show uh super consumable check it out if you like this podcast you'll love that podcast so uh worth worth a listen um so you know aj you know before we hit record we were we were just kind of catching up and talking about life and and uh a little bit about some of the work you're doing you know i think one of the really cool things that i've always admired about you is the fact that you, you you do put employees first and and background for the 
for the listeners, E1, B2 means employees first, business second, and which is a, a mindset shift. But I think it, as we have seen over the last you know number of years, by focusing on employees first, you will realize uh, business and organization success. And quite frankly, it's also just the right thing to do. But I think what's cool about some of the work you do, AJ, is you, you, you believe that, but then you go and you actually build tools and programs and systems to help organizations do that. And, and we've been, we talked about a number of different ways you're doing that. I'm curious, as you have, have maybe broadly focused on the work that you do, how, how have you determined where to focus your time and energy on, you know, wh- where do we start? Like, like I, I'm just curious because I think it's, it's such an exciting and, and big opportunity for us to think about in our organizations, but we have to start somewhere. So I, I have to believe that, you know, you, you've got some methodology to figure out, okay, where, where should we start with, with how do we put employees first? What, what insight do you have for our listeners? That's a good question. And I don't know if I have the greatest answer. I'll just try to like pull something out of thin air here. Just, just I, talk. We'll, we'll just soak it in. It's all good. Yeah. No, no, because that is a good question, right? Because I am working on so many different things and I am, I am personally so fascinated by so many different things. And frankly, they all are in different stages of HR, different experience levels, different, you know, um, different bandwidths and desires. And so I think for me, if I were to start somewhere, in my opinion, I I always say start at something that is easy for everyone to get on the same page around, right? Because what I found as of late, a lot of HR people strategize and come up with really cumbersome uh, strategies, really cumbersome technologies and tools, and then expect leaders and managers to inevitably adopt it and buy in. And as of late, what I've started to realize is that why don't we start finding tools, systems, methodologies that do one of two things, either A, allow you to kind of really get a deep dive analysis and audit of what you have so you actually know where to start. That's probably a good place. Or the other part, find something that's simple and easy to use where it doesn't take a lot of energy for someone to either learn the tool, to access the tool, to manage the tool, to develop and, and, and implement the process, um, something that's seamless and won't take them too much out of their zone of genius, right? Because if you want a sales manager to be a better manager, or if you want a product leader to be a better leader, or if you want, no matter what part of the business unit they're in, you want to be able to do that in a way where they're not feeling like, they're having to double click into being a leader and putting in their employees first, they can kind of stay in their zone of genius and their skill set, which is potentially sales or engineering, whatever the case is. But if you really unpack it, that little integration of that tool or that practice, they're actually over time becoming a better leader naturally and organically. Um, so that's probably where I would start. I would either start by auditing what you have. Or I probably really would easily start with something that is very easy to implement. Uh, what are your thoughts? That's probably why. I, I love that. I love that. I think that's so right. And, and we're, we're per, side note to any of the listeners, we, AJ and I are not going to get into like arguments on this podcast. If you like that kind of like back and forth banter, no, because like I am so aligned of that thinking, you know, and I, and I think it's like for me, it's like I like the analogy of, you know, water always flows to the easiest place to flow to. Right. And I think about our jobs a lot like that. Cause we're, you know, I think 
HR is one of those where you, you you can only plan so much. Sometimes you just need to you just need to listen and follow where the energy of the organization needs you to be. So, like as your example, keeping somebody in their in their zone of genius and just supplementing the work that they're already doing, um, and, and doing something that's simple and easy and easy to explain and get buy in. And then you know, here's the thing: you might have a really big, cumbersome HR program, which I agree we sometimes we make shit way too complicated, right? Like, you know, like, okay, take a breath. We don't need a 27 point, you know, (laughs) policy to, to, to fix this, this problem that might happen, you know, 1% of the time. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And and that nobody ever even does. Yeah. But, but something where you can get by and, and then ultimately if you have enough of these like little wins, easy wins, incremental wins, then you can do the big stuff. Then you can get the budget for the big program, you know? And and I think that's, I mean, I, I really think that's where the groundswell happens. And then when you have internal advocates that support the programs you've already done, then you have a little bit more clout and authority to come in and say, all right, here's where we need to spend. This is the big, hairy, audacious issue. This is where we need to spend our time and energy to fix it, right? But ultimately it, it starts with, you know, it, I think that the simplicity uh, it, it is genius, right? And that's that. So I, I'm totally with you. I, I will say, too, as well, to add on to that, the best place to always start from like a, a mindset perspective. Obviously, I'm biased because I, I made up this term, if you will. But you should start with honestly putting your employees first by genuinely understanding what's going to keep them there and then finding a tool, a practice or a methodology that's simple and easy for everyone to get around um, that's connected to that one or two reasons why someone would stay. You know, I always personally lean into any tool or system or best practice that can really help a leader genuinely understand who they're leading at a real contextual level, you know, workflows, how they want to be involved in decisions, like real business pieces. Because I used to be the guy that would kind of get super fluffy and high level about it. Then I was like, no, let's if someone genuinely enjoys how they're working or it makes it easier or, or more connected to how their brain thinks, then you're lowering like the, the possibility of tension or, or, or conflicting moments. So let's find ways to just understand within one team, let's say you have 10 team members, how does each individual, each member want to, how, how do they want to work? How do they want to work from a workflow perspective, be involved in decisions, um, idea generation, time, whatever it's going to be. Um, and then try to craft some of your efforts, tools, whatever you decide to do around solving those particular problems. Because now you're going to find yourself just having more retention within your individual teams and scale that up. Now you have a whole company of retention. So I love that. I love that. You know what it's. You know what it's. It sounds like to me, and I can tell that you're what I would consider to be kind of a non-traditional HR. Oh, professional man. because God. because to me that sounds that's that's what we would call like the frictionless experience right but instead of being like an app or a, or a customer you know funnel it's your employee right like you, if you reduce that friction if you make the experience much more positive for an employee as their leader or as their peer or whatever um everybody's gonna be more comfortable they're gonna have more more enjoyment that's gonna drive retention it's gonna be you know, it's, it's, it's going to be less of a, a nightmare meeting. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think, you know, here, here's the other thing. And, and you use the word, I love this genuine, un, genuinely understanding what yeah. keeps people, 
right? Because, you know, there's, there's so much what I would call pseudo research out there about what keeps employees happy, right? But so often it's, it's assumptions. And the, the reality is it's like, you know, a lot of times when somebody asks me, how do we drive retention? The honest answer is I'm not really sure. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. we don't we don't always know, right? Like the, somebody somebody over here might want a bunch of cash, right? They could they could jump your they could jump your company for a thousand bucks more per year, which for many of us would sound extremely short sighted because we like stability of the companies we work for, or maybe we love the benefits package, or maybe we love the time off, or maybe we just freaking love the team, and we mm-hmm. just you know every time I walk in. Linda says hi, and I love Linda, and I just want to high five every day. I don't know. Everybody's got a different lever, but I think this is and, and this is one of the areas that I, I'm curious to talk a little bit about some of the tools that, that you've been working on and some of the work you've done with organizations. Yeah, as we've got, you know, we've got all of these different myriad reasons that people have, and we've got these different styles and, and approaches towards work. How do we distill this down into actionable individual information that a that a leader can actually use and to 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 stay in their zone of genius? Well, let me let me try to understand the question better here. So, how can we ask it again? My ADD is kicking in. You good, man? You good? Yeah, and that's and hold on. Like, you have like nineteen companies, so I get it, right? Like this is <laughs> this is your zone of genius. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. It was a you. You were going on a good. Uh, you were going on a good uh, monologue there. So I want to make sure. I yeah, understand. yeah. No, that's 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 my. Yeah, I'm good at that. Um, yeah. What I'm really trying to get at is 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 how do we take the these all of these assumptions of what keeps people mm-hmm. and and but how do we put that into a tool for a leader hmm. to actually understand? Okay, this is what makes Brenda tick. This is what keeps Joe engaged and at my company. Like, like what, what kind of tools are you looking at and how do you think about yeah. that organizationally? That's a really good question. Um, I'll be very honest with you. Like a lot of the tools that are out there, whether they're engagement surveys, whether it's certain really interesting, like HRIS systems now, um, employee data systems, like, they're all interesting, and I'm actually going to move around your question. Uh, the technology that is there is great and it's fine, but the person and how they think and approach the technology and how they use the tool is even more impactful. So, for instance, all of these tools and technology that I probably could rattle off can keep that individual data intact. In, in, the individual data can be there. Now, the question is going to be, number one, Will the company creatively come up with enough questions on the survey or enough elements of that technology to have that contextual data? And then really the best question or the best element of this is, will that individual manager of that product team or will that individual sales leader leading eight people, will they actually have access consistently to go into that tool, look at that data prior to having a one-on-one? prior to gearing up for that sales team meeting, prior to having some thoughts and perspectives on how they're going to improve the productivity of that team, will they actually spend their time going in there, right? Because a lot of these leaders that I just mentioned also are individual contributors, also have things to do. And a lot of the time, it's super administrative, super day-to-day, super you know, mentally taxing 
When I think that's probably the funnest part, like, you know, you're going to get more out of your team. If you go to these tools, look at that information, jot down some really thoughtful notes and use that information to guide the strategy that you have within those meetings or within that one-on-one setting. So that's kind of my answer, if that makes sense. I love it. I love it. I couldn't agree more. You know, I think it's the worst thing you can do is do like a big, massive survey, data grab, and then, you know, say, hey, mission accomplished. We did this high five and then don't do anything with it until you do one another year later. Right. Like that's it's better. This The data has proven like it is better to not do anything. Just don't even ask if you're not going to do anything with it. Right. So it's it's about the actions. And the go even more. 100%. No, you're right. And to go even more down that rabbit hole, Kyle. Um, and you remember the last podcast, it takes me a minute to warm up and then I just start. Uh, but no to go down that rabbit hole too i actually got in a pretty intense debate with a partner um regarding you know because their perspective was like hey the technology is great all we need to do is plug in the technology and it's going to solve every issue a lot of product people feel that way they feel like if you just implement the technology it solves every problem and i said to them i said the technology is just the precursor it's the beginning Everyone that uses this technology has to actually use it. They have to be able to read that data, storytell that data, understand that data, understand how that data um, can be used to strategize how you're actually going to make some impact. Just because you have the data there or just because the tool is there doesn't mean it's solving everything. And I think a lot of people in the HR technology world and frankly, a lot of HR people that are really product sound and, and, and articulate to a certain degree. They forget that piece. Your managers, yeah. they use the data. And I'll, and I'll give yeah. you one more, Kyle, too. I genuinely believe managers should be fired by not using the data correctly and not going into the tool and using that information. Like, like just not a, not a suggestion anymore. Um, if your leader's not using the data and the tool that you're giving them as HR team members, then in my opinion, they're not living up to the responsibility of being a great manager. Yeah. And isn't that in the, it, that's in the job description, right? <laughs> it should be. But, but, I couldn't, but, I couldn't yeah, agree more. I, I Listen, gonna, I, you, oh, oh, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, when we, when we, you know, first started talking three, three-ish years ago, yep. you know, um, it, we were having this dialogue, uh, a very similar dialogue. And, um, you know, it was rough out there. It was rough back then. It's like, look at the workplace landscape right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Like like the organizations that have not held their leaders accountable to be great leaders are struggling. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, you know, there's and and I mean, they, I look at the headlines like, you yeah. know, people are leaving and droves. And and then you've got these companies that that it's not just their individual leaders actions. It's like it's like silly layoffs and record profits. And, and you know, it's like it's it's just like, oh, what are we thinking as as you know as a society where like people are a consumable resource that we shouldn't we shouldn't be thinking about the actual human being? Um, but I, I, I struggle with with you know the, those kinds of organizational decisions and and some of the challenges that we're facing when really we it comes down to you know are, are you a good leader or are you a bad leader are you a good organization and are you a bad organization and and if you are struggling with leadership then how are you holding your leaders accountable? I don't, I don't think it's as complicated as we all make it sound, right? 
If you no. tolerate bad leaders, you'll have a bad organization. A thousand percent. And then I'll give you all even something that's like strategic and tactical too to, to add to that. If you are noticing across a myriad of teams that there's low performance, low productivity out of a team and or the individuals within that team, the first thing you should be asking yourself as an HR leader that's leading the entire company, the first thing that a VP or a C-suite executive that's, that's leading that division should be asking is what did you not do as a leader? That's, in my, that's the first thing that you should be asking. Not scrutinizing Sarah, not scrutinizing Andrew, whatever name you're going to throw out. The first thing that I'm asking is, what did you not do as a leader of this team of eight individuals? And I believe you should have a checklist. Did you, how often have you been having one-on-ones? What questions yeah. were asked in those one-on-ones? Where's the data yeah. being stored? Are you using the data? Show me that you've actually thoughtfully put this data into work to support them. Have you reached out to L&D? And rearrange some things and made it more contextual, made it easy for them. Have you checked their home life to make sure everything else is good there? Like, there should be a full range of checklists that you as a leader do prior to pointing the finger at them. That's like a that's like a tangible example of what I mean by putting employees first. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think you know it it it's a requirement in my mind for for human resources to be asking those questions and educating leaders that that's the expectation, right? Like this is no, this isn't an, this isn't an HR program, right? This is like, this is what it's required to be a leader. Yeah. Um, and, and so often there's, 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 I think a, a pushback that, you know, HR needs to, HR needs to do this stuff. But the reality is leaders are the ones that are accountable to, to these types of programs working. And ultimately, the good leaders, i.e., the ones with low turnover, best performance, you know, high, highly engaged teams, are the ones that naturally do that without anybody having to ask them to, right? And and it's it's those individuals that we should be, uh, you know, having others aspire to to be. So, I agree. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I want to I want to shift gears. I want to talk about this a little bit um, because I'm fascinated to learn a little bit more about this program. So, one of the one of the organizations that you've been supporting uh, is the Top Employers Institute. And yeah. it's a little bit of a different approach on assessing and analyzing the programs and systems that we have within our HR organizations. And so, so tell us a little bit about, you know, some of the work uh, that you're doing there. And, and, and I'm really curious to learn a little bit about the approach uh, yeah. to this uh, institute. Yeah, at a high level, I'll, you know, I'll cover top employers and then get into tactically. So, you know, we've been working with about 2,400, moving on to almost 3,000 companies globally. Some of the biggest brands that you all know of, Adidas of the world, you know, American Express of the world, Pools of the world, uh, PepsiCo, on and on, right? Uh, big enterprise companies. And at first glance, a lot of organizations always feel that we are, um, let's call it a seal, a certification that inevitably just supports things at a high level. But what the leaders of Top Employers found out, and then what I found that as we started standing up a new division here, is that generally analyzing the best practices brings even more value at a level that I think a lot of HR team members have found is super meaningful. So what we do is we actually go through and we ask about 265 different questions. Then you have to verify as an HR team member 
that you actually have the answers and you can show proof that some of that work is actually being done. And we're not doing it to be rude or pompous or, or, or not do that. We don't believe you. We're frankly, and I've always said this to people, we're doing it to hold a mirror up against yourself. Cause Kyle, you know this, right? How often do you at scale know about HR team members that actually hold a mirror up against themselves, pause and say, what are we actually doing in employer branding measured up against other companies in our industry, measured up against globally, measured up against literally everything you could be doing from, a, from an employer branding perspective. At Top Employers, we have that data. We have every single literal thing you could be doing from an employer branding perspective up till 2023. Like we literally every single year scour the market to see what are the most innovative new things and then measure that. What are you actually doing from an employer branding perspective? Oh, we let's say there's 10 bullet points. Oh, we're only doing three of those bullet points. Fine. That's great. Now you know. Now you know. Now you can make an impact. Now you can learn. Now you can utilize some of the best practices from other organizations. And so things like that is what Top Employers does. And in my personal opinion, things like this is what every single organization should go through every year. You should have a moment where you're analyzing every piece of your HR effort, seeing where you are, analyzing your gaps, cheering and being happy about the fact that you identified those gaps. And now working with your learning and development teams, working with your TA teams, working with your internal comms teams to grow, get better, get stronger. And then the last thing I'll say, Kyle, then you can actually utilize that seal from a recruiting perspective because now you can look a re- uh, an applicant in the face and say we actually do have a great employer branding system here we verified it we know what's in the market we know where our gaps are and here's tactically and tangibly how it can help you and then impact you in all these different ways so that's a little bit about top employers and kind of how i think it's super meaningful for organizations to think about it from that perspective yeah i think you know i i think what what I appreciate about this is, you know, we, you and I, we, we think very strategically, right? You know, I mean, I think that's, that's, that's pretty natural uh, for, for individuals like us, but sometimes it's really hard to take that like 30,000 foot view. And like, we know what the right thing to do is. And like, intuitively, we understand what we should do, but tactically, sometimes it's hard to actually translate that into, okay, we need to get this done this is a best practice of how to do it. This is the resources required to do it. This is how I'm actually, this is how I'm going to actually get through into a system that works. And oh, by the way, <laughs> I think this is another key point. This is what everybody else is doing. So if I don't do this, I'm behind the eight ball, right? Like I can't, <laughs> I can't sit here and, and sit in this meeting and say, we're doing everything we can for employer branding to drive that EVP so that our candidates know, hey, this is the best place to work when we have one out of 10 best practices checked on this assessment, right? So it's it's like, let's, you know, let's let's take a collective breath. Let's make sure, hey, here's what we actually do. Here's what we think will work for our organization and and have kind of a framework around that. Um, I think there's there's a lot of benefit there. And I, you know, I I appreciate. I appreciate the approach of, of the, you know, having an assessment, but this is the exact, to me, it's like, it's the exact same thing we just talked about. Like it's a great tool, but then you got to know what to do with it. Right. And so, and here, you know, here's kind of the answers to the test. Here's what you need to do. Yeah. Um, and if you have that as an HR professional, 
it makes it a whole hell of a lot easier to go into a boardroom or the CFO or, or your financial director's office and say, hey, here's what I want to do. Here's the resources I need. Here's what this will do for us. Um, here's the playbook, right? As opposed to trying to convince people, you know, through sheer will and passion and energy, which I'm sure we all have listening to this podcast. <laughs> I have nothing else to add. You nailed it. That's, that's exactly well, you know, it's near and dear to my heart. I used to be the HR audit guy, you know, my, one of my last companies. So I, you know, this is, I spent a lot of time on this, but I do, you know, I, I appreciate the approach and, and I think, you know, it's also, it's also been, been tested and proven that it, that it works. So we'll have, for those that are listening, we'll have a link in the, in the show notes, check it out. I think it's, it's worth checking out. And even if you don't utilize the program, just understanding the methodology and how it works and thinking about, even if it's something where you put together a really simple protocol to go out and assess what systems am I using? How am I actually tactically impacting employee experience? And how am I holding my leaders accountable to that? You know, if, if you if you just do that and, and take a true look at yourself in the mirror, I guarantee you that there's gaps there that, that you can you can improve. So. A thousand percent. And the last thing that I know we're almost at time here, uh, I'll say on that note, that's what we all know as human beings we should be doing, right? <laughs> Whether it's in our health, whether it's in our relationships, whether it's with our kids, our spouses, whatever it's going to be, we all know at the end of the day, it's important to hold a mirror being at yourself, whether that's getting a personal trainer, whether that's watching a film where, you know, whatever the case is going to be, where you see people that are working out or really pushing themselves to a new level and you're feeling inspired and motivated, or whether that's going to therapy. Like we all know at some point you should self-reflect and make some adjustments and lean into that. Don't be afraid of that. And I think that's really the the, the nuts and bolts of what we're trying to bring to the table. <laughs> I love it. I love it. With that, I think we're gonna we're gonna shift gears. I'm gonna, I'm only gonna ask you one Rebel HR flash round question because you you know this at this point this is you know third time's the charm. But we do have one new question since we last met, and I'm fascinated to hear your answer. Uh, so the the question is, where does HR need to rebel? Needs to rebel. HR needs to rebel, in my personal opinion, on their talent acquisition processes and the way that it traditionally is done. I believe right now, and I'll do a quick plug, Beyond Brand, give me a call. But seriously, though, uh, every single organization, in my personal opinion, needs to be brutally honest about the bad, indifferent, good, gray area variables of their company, department, leaders, and explain that to applicants as early as possible in the recruiting process. Stop BSing these applicants. Stop sharing that this is the greatest place in the world to work. We have no issues. Be honest. Be raw. I'm tired of recruiters BSing the game here. That's where I think it needs to rebel, if you want me to be brutally honest. Dude, I'm so with you. Like I said, we are not going to argue on this podcast. I, um, I shit you not. So early, early in my career, I was a campus recruiting guy, right? And we would, we, we would shine. We would polish what I would call polish the turd, right? Like it was like, let's just make this the prettiest, best place to work ever. We'll tell everybody every good thing. And we saw like 40% turnover because people would get in and they were like, are you freaking kidding me? You told me I was going to be this and this and this, and it was going to be all sunshine and roses. Exactly. And I am a huge believer of that realistic job preview. And, and I will, I will, you know, plug in for that. 
I actually have candidates who I've hired recently that have come back to me six months later and said, you told me exactly what I was walking into. I was fully prepared and I am so happy that you did that because I was ready from day one. Mm -hmm. And guess what? They're still with the company, right? Because it, it, because they made an informed choice and we were open and honest. And at the end of the day, sometimes that's all employees want is, is integrity <laughs> with their, with their company. So 100%. I'm with you, dude, we are right at time. AJ, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. I love following your story. I love seeing you uh, just, just killing it out there and being successful. Thank you for sharing some of your knowledge with us today. hundred percent, brother. We'll talk soon. Thanks, man. Later. All right, that does it for the Rebel HR Podcast. Big thank you to our guests. Follow us on Facebook at Rebel HR Podcast, Twitter at Rebel HR Guy, or see our website at rebelhumanresources.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rebel HR Podcast are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any of the organizations that we represent. No animals were harmed during the filming of this podcast. Baby.